the Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. This is the Unruffle Podcast, episode 135. This is a podcast about recovery through creativity. We live an intentional life. We thrive. I am Sandra Primo. And I'm Tammy Salas. And we are The Unruffled. Hello, Unruffled listeners. We are popping in at the top of the show to share with you several ways that you can help support the podcast. First, you can become a patron of the show by donating to our Patreon fundraising campaign. Please consider supporting our consistent effort in bringing you weekly content on creativity and recovery, all for less than the price of a latte. For just a dollar an episode, you will receive early access to each week's show as our way of saying thank you. If every listener did this, we would be over the moon. The link to our Patreon campaign is www.patreon.com backslash the unruffled podcast. And that's not it. You can share our show on social media or with your friends, and you can subscribe to the podcast and give us a rating on iTunes. All of this helps our little show immensely. And we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Now onto the show. Hi, Sandra. Good morning. Good morning. It is. (laughs) I think it's very Uh, The stars are aligned at this moment that we are able to talk to each other. I know. What's going on? Like the world is, feels like it's, well, it is on fire over here. Yeah. So we, um, we got evacuated Saturday night, Sandra, and Uh because of the, the Kincaid fires in Sonoma County and it's, it's just super surreal. I know that you've had some big um, natural disasters in Texas um, in the last couple of years. Like I remember down in Houston, it was right. Really- we get flooding. Mm-hmm. We get flooding. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is not funny. Um, I'm taking a class on natural disasters this semester. So I was doing my homework Saturday, just thinking we were going to have a power outage. And I thought, Oh, candles and I'll make some soup. Like I really, was in complete denial Mm. that we were going to be evacuated from our house, like had no idea. So we got the call and our power went out and we're like, let's just go. And I'm super proud that I had a full tank of gas because that never happened, Sandra. I want you Mm. to know, like Mm -hmm. David told me that morning, like go get a full tank of gas before the lines start forming because in Sonoma County, because of our fires a couple of years ago, they were just, you know, running out of gas, probably. Yeah. I mean, and if the power's out, the gas stations are shut down. So mm-hmm. it, it is a, a bit of an emergency a situation. But, um, you know, we were on the edge of the evacuation zone Saturday night. And our son was the one that kind of pushed us over to go like, let's go. What are we doing? Right. We had no evacuation plan, nowhere to go. And I just happened to have Facebook up on my computer because I don't have it on my phone, Sandra. And a friend that I haven't seen in like eight or nine years sent me a message and said, hey, if you need a bed down in Marin, which is the county south of us, she was like, you come over here tonight. That's where we went. Nice. That's where we went. And they had no power because 99% of their county as a preventative measure had no power. Mm. 
So, because these fires are sparking from old PG&E lines that haven't Got been it. maintained. So the yeah. PG&E is being like preventative in Northern California. And so we went and then we woke up the next morning and I had this burning desire to be with my father-in-law. And I was like, let's go to family. And so we left and we came up here, which is uh, like three hours north of where I live, northeast. Mm-hmm. And as we drove on the freeway on the I-80, there was two fires that just started in Vallejo. They ended up shutting the bridge down just after we had passed. Um, it felt very apocalyptic, Sandra. It felt- oh, I bet. And then a car accident happened right in front of us, like this horrible car accident, like one car in front of us, one car accident. And we witnessed it and had to call 911. And I just looked at Steve and I was like, what is happening? Like it felt completely powerless, completely out of control, completely ungrounded. So Right. And then people uh, are panicking, you know, so that just adds to it. Yeah, it felt, yeah, it's been feeling really... I felt really untethered. So to talk to you just even for a little bit today, I'm so happy because it's like, (laughs) you know how I like just crave routine and like knowing what's going on. And um, I just, yesterday I was texting you a whole bunch and I was like, I just needed to control something. And I was like, I hope Sandra can just let me like schedule some interviews and make me feel like I have some modicum of control when I know I really don't have control over anything. You know what I mean? I'm trying to do things that are helping me feel like, orderly. Yeah, I know. Well, and so as you'll see when, when, when you get to the interview part, it's just me and the guests, Tammy couldn't be there. We were super sad. It felt a little weird. (laughs) Luckily this summer we had done some of those already. So I felt a little bit, yeah, I felt, you know, I felt all right doing it. And of course I love our guests, but we missed you. And, you know, there was a moment I thought, well, maybe we just won't air a podcast this week yeah. I mean you know I, I yeah. never had to experience uh natural you know that we've never factored in natural disasters right well the thing I want to say because I am so bummed I missed the conversation with Kathy because I'm like her biggest fan I know one of her biggest fans I know you are too um but that that we do not control much right no. And like, um, I, I've been texting with sober women and it's like, and well, lots of women, but, um, you know, my a friend of mine said like, this is like acceptance 101 right now. This is surrender boot camp." Or she said something like that. And I was like, yes, this is totally all the concepts that I learn in recovery and that we practice and that we talk about here on the show. It's like putting them to use. And it's been super helpful to realize like, I don't control much, Sandra, even when I try to, to feel safe, you know, I, there's a lot I have to, to give up, turn over, let it go. All the, all the phrases that you hear in meetings or in recovery circles. Like I just, I had to really, um, ingest those and kind of embody them this week. Mm, Yeah. 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 Which has been easier to tap into from, from the work that we do. Right. Right. I I mean, can you imagine how you would have fallen apart? No, I, like this I would, happened a few years ago. Oh, I'd be drinking my way through it. Yeah. Right. I'd be totally drinking my way through it. So that's good. That's good. And I, and I shared with you briefly and just with the listeners, I want to say super fast that I went to a meeting and there was no power in my father-in-law's town either, except for he's on this little tiny grid where he keeps getting notices that it's going to go out, but he has it. And you just don't realize how much 
electricity is important until, right. <laughs> until you don't you put that it. on your gratitude list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I go to this church and there's no power. And so we sit in the picnic on the picnic table with three other people. One guy had 30 days. One gal had five months. They're both in their seventies, by the way. And another lady had 29 years and she rolled mm. out of her convertible Mustang with long flowing golden hair. She looked like she used to be a supermodel or something. Um, fake nails, fake eyelashes, um, gorgeous hair, a fur coat, and like a walking cane that had like a horse's head on it, gold. Oh my. Like she just had boots on and she walked over and she's like, oh, let's get this started. And she starts doing the preamble just from memorization that she's you know memorized over the years. I started crying. She just started wow. saying all the things that you say to start an AA meeting. And I started getting teary and she does the whole thing. She's like, all right, we don't have any books. So let's just everybody share their experience, strength and hope. And uh, let's get this party started. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I am so grateful you're here. I mean, I was so grateful for the meeting and to hear and to hear their stories. And it was hopeful and it was beautiful. And I went back yesterday and I made friends with Peggy and Pam and Diane and I'm going back today. So, yeah. Mm. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so thank you for holding down the fort with the podcast. And of course we could have missed a week. I know our listeners would understand, but I really kind of wanted to tap in because I was feeling untethered and this is part of my routine as well and talking to you every week. So thank you. Yes, of course. Of course. I know. I just kept thinking the show is going on. <laughs> We're just going to make it happen. Okay. That's right. That's what we do. <laughs> make it work. <laughs> flexibility, flexibility, letting go. Yeah. All of that stuff. <laughs> well, good. well, let's, let's talk about Kathy. Oh, wait, do you have something to promote? I know you got things going on. Uh, sure. Real quick. You can still sign up for change your story. Just go to my website, uh, the unruffle.com. And, um, I'm still, I can still take one, maybe even two more clients from now until the end of the year. So, um, if you want to work on, um, uh, a passion project or, uh, you want to do more of something or you want your life to work, look a certain way and you're not quite there, I can help you. Mm. Um, that's it. Good. Change your story. I've seen some of your clients doing things and releasing things and yeah. And, uh, and Kathy was one of your clients. So I'm super excited to hear. I, I can't wait to hear the podcast now. It'll be a surprise to me. Yes. That'll Kathy was one of my clients. We mentioned it a couple of times, but, um, okay. but yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So Kathy Kubik is our guest today. She is an account. I'm sorry. <laughs> She's an executive assistant. Sober mama, artist, and writer. She loves Jesus, watercolors, horror, comics, post-its, and the smell of old books. Um, she graduated from DePaul University in Chicago with a Bachelor of Arts degree in English. She has always wanted to be two things, an assistant and a writer. And at five, she would set up her desk for business. She loves being an assistant because each day has new opportunities and draws inspiration from Wonder Woman. She has, she's, she has a good Wonder Woman costume too. She is known as the Red Pin. I love that. I really meant to ask her about that, but we didn't get to it. Um, she types 120 uh, words per minute and loves vintage typewriters. 
Yeah, and she is the author of four poetry chapbooks, which I didn't know, so I would like to read her poetry. And she is currently writing short stories and is dreaming of other writing projects. Her writing has appeared in many publications, such as the Mississippi Review, Lily, His Quarterly, um, and Wicked Alice. She lives near Chicago with her husband, two daughters, and two rescue dogs, and her blog and writing can be found at kathycubic.com. Oh, I'm, I'm so looking forward to hearing this interview. Oh, good. It's going to be <laughs> well, fun. It was missing one thing, and um, mm -hmm. that was you, but I think we did okay. I'm sure you did. I'm sure you did. Okay, well, thank you so much for... Um, for, uh, yeah, letting the show go on, like you said, that's what we do. And I love our creative partnership, Sandra. I love it. I do it. too. It feels so good. Um, I just know we figure stuff out and it's a pleasure to, to do this thing with you. Yes, same. Yeah. All right, have a good day. Okay, bye. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the show, Kathy. Thanks, Sandra. I'm happy to be here. Well, let me just briefly tell the listeners, if you skipped the intro and you're just dropping in, you may notice we're missing a third voice today. And that is because as we're recording this, there are major fires happening in California and my co-host Tammy lives in California and she had to evacuate her home. And she's very safe right now at her father-in-law's, but, um, their power is has been tempting to shut off any time now, so uh, the show must go on. And uh, so it's just me today, me and Kathy. And luckily, I have spoken to Kathy many, many times in person and over Zoom. So this should be an easy, fun episode. Yes, I feel like I'm getting a bonus session with Change Your Story. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, Kathy, well, why don't you, well, first of all, where in the country are you talking to me from? Because you guys are having your own um, battles with nature this morning. <laughs> yes, I'm in a suburb near Chicago. I'm about 30 minutes from Chicago, and we had our first snowstorm last night. And it's actually still snowing and it's coming down pretty hard. And um, we've, I don't know if we've had snow this early that I can recall. Um, tomorrow's Halloween. So it's just very early for snow. Right. Yeah, I would think. I, I spoke um, to a client actually yesterday who also lives in Chicago and she was saying that they were expecting snow and she was kind of like in disbelief. I say mm -hmm. battle with nature. I guess we don't really battle with nature. We just it's nature um, wins. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, just, we just sit back and we have to just let it be. <laughs> right, right. Well, um, is school canceled and everything? Is that how that works? No, school's going on. Um, my husband had to drive my oldest daughter to school though. The bus um, didn't show. Um, the roads weren't really plowed this morning. Um, so, but no, they're at school. They, they made it out the door, so. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess it's kind of exciting and cozy and, yeah. <laughs> and it will be a strange, sure. strange Halloween, a, a white Halloween. <laughs> yes. They're talking about maybe some uh, suburbs are going to have it on Saturday, Halloween instead of um, tomorrow. So yes. we'll see what our um, village decides to do. That's a great solution. There mm -hmm. you go. Yeah. Well, 
Kathy, the way we usually start our show is um, we start off by asking you what brought you to the decision to quit drinking or give it up, get sober. Um, why don't you tell our listeners? That? Sure. So there's there's a few things that happened. It wasn't it, it was one thing that was the catalyst, but there were lots of little things along the way. But I wanted to start just by talking about when I first started drinking. Um, I was really young. I was about 13 years old, and it's funny because I'm I always say I'm a black or white person, like all or nothing. Mm -hmm. And so the very first time I drank, I went to my parents' liquor cabinet. And they weren't really big drinkers. I mean, my dad was like a um, beer drinker, but my mom wasn't. But they had this liquor cabinet, and it had every kind of liquor you could think of. Like, I, I think they were wedding gifts, you know, like people just in the day would give people liquor. Right. Anyway, so I took every single uh, bottle and mixed them all together. And, and I had this, like, flask. I don't even know where I got this from. But so the very first time I drank, I drank this concoction that was just awful. Uh, it tasted like medicine. Ew. But I, I, I did it to like impress my friends and we all went to the mall and we all got, you know, drunk. And it was just, that was like the start of me drinking. And it, so it was always tied to being um, extroverted, fun. You know, it was always, there was this connection um, with being like the life of the party and drinking. Mm -hmm. So that kind of followed me throughout my life and, you know, into my adulthood. So it was, I, I liked having it um, bring me out of myself and, you know, um, just not being afraid to do certain things. And I put myself into many dangerous situations that way too. But the, the reason I, so if you had told me three years ago I would stop drinking, I would have told you, you are nuts. Like, <laughs> it was such a part of my life. Um, but, you know, I had a doctor tell me, you know, um, I, I have psoriasis, so I have this skin condition that um, my body's inflamed, and uh, the alcohol did not help with this at all, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. So I, would, I saw so many doctors, and uh, this one told me, well, you just need to stop drinking this is, this is, you know, causing your body to be inflamed. And I, I just couldn't, I said, no, I'm not going to do that. That's, that's crazy. So um, then I joined a 12 step group for disordered eating. Um, and in that program, they want you to kind of take an inventory of what you are eating and you have a sponsor and, you know, I'm a very honest person. So I would write down everything I ate and I would include, you know, the you know, two to three glasses of wine a night that I was having. And so after about a week, she said, you know, what's going on with this wine? Like, what, what is this? Like, we need to maybe look at that. And, you know, she didn't tell me to stop drinking, but she said, maybe just pay attention to it. And that was my first, um, that was the first time I actually did kind of think to myself, is this not normal to, to be drinking, you know, a bottle of wine a night? Right. The fact that she pointed it out, highlighted it like, yeah, oh, huh, that's interesting. Yeah. And I still thought, well, I'm, you know, I'm not going to give it up, but it was, it was one of my, I just had these roadblocks along the way or, or red flags. I, I don't know 
what you would call them, enlightenment. Um, so it, it took me a while to get to the point where I became curious about it. Um, but once I did, um, I, I remember this very vividly. I was at our cottage in Michigan and we had just gotten back from a boat ride. Um, this was three years ago. So my daughter, my youngest was seven years old. And um, I came in the cottage and she was jumping up and down on the stay bed we have. And so when I would drink, I had stages and I didn't know when to stop. So I, and I consider myself a gray area drinker. I didn't, it wasn't every day. It, I was kind of a social binge drinker, but then I would relax at night with, you know, this bottle of wine. So um, I, I wouldn't know when to stop, especially in a social situation. So in Michigan, you start drinking at noon, you know, you just have fun. And I would get to a point where I would become this angry person. Mm. And that's not my personality at all. So, um, so I walked in the cottage, I see my daughter jumping up and down on the, the stay bed, and she's having, you know, the time of her life. And it made me so angry. And, mm. you know, our cottage is not, I mean, it's a place you can relax. It's not like you can't sit on the furniture. So it really wasn't a big deal at all. But to me, I immediately went into this anger mode. And, you know, I walked over to her and, you know, yelled. And I am not a mom who disciplines my kids as far as hitting them. But I gave her a smack and I was, I was mad. And it shocked both of us. And it brought me out of myself. Like I could look at myself and what I was in that moment, who I was and what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And I really, really didn't like it. And, you know, I immediately apologized. But the damage had already been done. Like she, the look in her face, seeing me in that, in that position where I had this power over her and I was um, angry mm -hmm. over this really silly thing was that was like it for me. And we, we went to bed that night together and we cried almost all night, both of us. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. I, and it was, sorry, I, go ahead. I was just going to say, I relate to that. I mean, I remember, you know, especially when my son, cause he was, um, you know, he was on the spectrum, but I didn't know it when he was like a like younger than seven, you know, five and under. Mm -hmm. And yeah, my, I could not contain my rage when I, when I was drunk, I couldn't, now I didn't beat him or anything, but I definitely lashed out at him in ways that I never would have done had I been sober. Right. It, it just wasn't, that wasn't who I was. And so mm -mm. to have a substance make me behave in such a way that was the complete opposite of who I am. Right. Really made me, it was, it, it, it made me angry about, you know, that I had this thing in my life that I didn't want to let go, but it was not doing me any favors. It was not helping me. And it was. Yeah. And isn't it like, you know, like you'd, you would rather have psoriasis than, then, you know, consider abstinence. I mean, I'm kind of laughing, but because I was, you know, the same way. It was like, I would rather wake up in the middle of the night with my heart pounding out of my chest, feeling like I was, you know, having a, a nightly or, or early morning panic attack every morning. I would choose that over, I would choose depression over abstinence. I would choose anything over abstinence. It just sounds crazy when we, when we look at it now. Right. 
but you know, sometimes it does take like three things and, you know, like it's like the third time, you know, cut deep enough for it to finally get your attention. Yeah. And it really, um, it really just made me look at myself and, you know, I, um, I prayed that night and mm. I just wanted this to be taken away from me. And even right at that moment, I didn't, it wasn't like I immediately said, I'm not going to drink anymore. It was, it took me all night of praying and crying and just, you know, I reached out to God and kind of said, how, you know, if I'm supposed to not drink anymore, I mean, uh, not that I really needed another sign, but I just needed some kind of um, confirmation, but I woke up and I was like, I'm not drinking anymore. You know, this is, this is it. And, um, and that was it. And I, uh, you know, stayed sober for about a year. Um, during that year, my mom got sick uh, with ovarian cancer uh, after about six months after I stopped drinking. And, and my family was very supportive, although I will say they didn't feel I had a problem. You know, and same with my friends. I, I, it was normal. Like what I, the way I was drinking, it's just considered normal and it's accepted. Um, sure. You know, but, um, but I was really happy that I was sober and able to um, be there for my mom mm -hmm. in, a, in a way that, you know, it was really hard, but I was there, you know, and I wasn't escaping. And I was there with her and I was there for her. And I felt like everything, you know, happens for a reason. And the timing of it was just, it was necessary. And I, I cannot imagine that time if I was drinking. Mm. I just can't. So, um, so she, after six months, her diagnosis, you know, they said she has about six months and she did. Um, and so after she passed away, we had this end of the summer party that our family, my, my mom would host it. And she, um, she was such a creative person and she loved all of her grandkids. Um, and she would put on this end of summer party and she would have these amazing, like, you felt like you were at a carnival, but it was in her backyard. And so we decided to have it uh, in her honor. And at that party, I decided to have a drink. Um, I felt like you know, it's been a year. This is a celebration for my mom. And I felt like it was okay. And, you know, um, I don't really feel like it was a relapse. I feel like it was part of my path. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so I had a drink and it was fine. It was no big deal. But then during the next uh, few weeks, the alcohol crept back into my life in such a way it was just so sneaky Right. You know, it was like, before I knew it again, there was that bottle of wine a night. And I was like, how did I get here? Like, what is going on? And that is when I made the decision again, this is not, this is not for me. And it was really good that it happened like that because it was confirmation to me. Sure. Like, this is, this is where I'm meant to be. And, um, you know, and I felt such relief at not having to moderate or think about, you know, can I, I'm only going to have two drinks or I'm going to switch from wine to beer or, you know, I didn't have any of that anymore. So it was so good. Mm -hmm. And that was, um, almost two years ago. I know. So when is your sober anniversary? It's coming up, right? Yeah. It's November 17th. Mm. So, um, it was the day before Thanksgiving two years ago when I was like, this is it. So that wasn't the best timing. Cause then I had all the holidays <laughs> and 
it was kind of hard, but, um, but yeah, it'll be November 17th. Well, and you know, if you would have waited until after the holidays, then there would have just been another reason to keep pushing it back. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. And how long did you, how long did you drink during that time in between? Um, it was about six weeks. Okay. Um, so not very long yeah. until you, you know, it was already just, it's almost like you kind of crack the door open and then it just, and then it just gets kicked open again. Yeah. And I remembered uh, the first time, you know, I did experience a bit of a pink cloud. Like I was, um, I immediately felt more energy and I felt, um, you know, creative and, and all that. And so when that went away and the alcohol came back in, I remember one night I was um, uh, painting and I never, I, I was never an artist until I became sober as far as uh, painting or drawing and that sort of thing. And one night um, I was painting and I was drinking a glass of wine and it felt so off to me. I was just like, what, what is this doing here? You know, this doesn't belong. Like, mm -hmm. so that was one of the things for me. And, um, and yeah, so then when I, when I stopped the second time, it wasn't like a pink cloud effect, but it was just this big relief. And like, it was kind of like coming home, like, this is who I am this feels normal to me. Mm -hmm. And it's almost, it almost seems like it would be more empowering too, because you really made a choice at that, at that moment, you know, I mm -hmm. mean, things hadn't just completely dissolved into the toilet again or anything, you know, not to say that it couldn't get there and, you know, it couldn't progress to that, but I'm sure it f felt very empowering then just to make a choice. No, I know I know what serves me best. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that's, I, that is, I think that's a story that many of our listeners can relate to. Um, well, let's talk about, since you brought up creativity, let's talk about that a little bit because I know you, <laughs> I know that you, and I know you creatively, I know that you are a, multi-passionate, multi-talented person. Um, and I know you said that you didn't start painting until sobriety. Um, have you always had lots of creative interests or what was your first, first love or your first creative venture? Um, I've always loved writing and I've always had um, writing ever since I was young, ever since I was, you know, ever since I could write, I was writing plays like with the um, Muppets when I was, you know, in third grade. And I've, so I've always written and, um, you know, I've written poetry and short stories. Um, and I was able to do that while I was drinking too. And actually I would uh, sometimes drink to kind of get into the flow of writing. So now that I'm sober, um, the writing is coming a little harder to me because it's some, like when people say they would cook while they were drinking wine or, you know, something like that. It's harder for me to get into the writing. I'm, I'm working on that. But the um, drawing and the painting, when I became sober, um, I would look in the Bible for different verses to inspire me or, you know, things about being a new creation. And 
Um, so I started by just highlighting different verses that inspired me. And then it became, I was, you know, drawing circles around the verses to kind of make them stand out. And before long, I was doing what's known as Bible journaling, where oh. you kind of, um, you paint over the words or, you know, you block out certain words to make things stand out. And for me, it was a way to um, remember verses and, um, you know, kind of put it in my, um, it was a way of living with it. I don't know. It's hard to explain, but that's how I first started um, with painting and drawing was doing Bible journaling. That sounds like a lovely practice. I don't think I've ever heard that before. Yeah, it's very, um, a lot of people, you know, you can look on Instagram or Pinterest and see images to inspire you. There's um, really creative people out there that um, it's inspiring to see what they do, um, you know, by painting over words and some people feel like you know it's the bible you shouldn't do that but i have at least like 15 bibles mm -hmm. and i have ones just for this so it's not like i'm trying to deface anything right um it's like you're trying to highlight certain things and and so that's what i started with that's what i would do and i remember i was doing this when my mom was um before she got sick because i um first became sober three years ago and my family's very creative. My mom was creative. I have three sisters. They are all very creative. Um, and I always just had the writing. So I had words on a page, which is different from artwork, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I would share what I was doing in, the, in my Bible with my mom. And I remember she was like so proud of me because, you know, she loved that kind of thing. She loved art. And it was just so cool to share that with her, mm. you know, but yeah, but that was kind of my foot in the door of um, becoming an artist and painting and drawing. And then I just tried different mediums and I, you know, did the 100 day project um, where I made affirmation cards. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't make 100 days. I think I got to, oh, I don't even know, 65 or something or 70. But, but yeah, and, and, you know, and then the Recovery Gals Art Exchange. I love that. Um, mm -hmm. I was just gonna, I couldn't wait to talk to you about that. You were like an early adopter in the Recovery Gals Art Exchange, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, for, well, and for our listeners, if you are new to our show, I'll tell you very quickly what the Art Exchange is. It's a something that Tammy and I started doing a couple of years ago where we come up with a theme um, we put out a call for participants. We draw, we pair them up. Um, it happens four times a year on the solstices and on the equinoxes. Um, side note, if you ever want to participate, uh, we are, the current one is ongoing. The winter exchange is ongoing right now, but if you're listening to this when the episode airs um, and you want to be involved, you can jump in for the next one, which will be the spring exchange and just send either Tammy or I a message on um, Facebook and we can add you to that group. But um, now have you, have you done every one, Kathy? It seems like you've done most of them. Yes, I've done, I looked back and I've done seven. So I've, I've done, seven. I've done them since um, the spring of 2018. Um, the Metamorphosis was my first one. Okay. That and wasn't the very first one, but it was pretty close up to, the, yeah, I think, I think Reflection was the first one. And honestly, I would have to go back and look at the exact date, but 
You've yeah. done almost all of them. Yeah, and it's been since I became sober the second time. Um, so the first exchange was when I had about three months of sobriety uh, for the second time. Um, and it was, it's just something I love to do. I feel like it helps my sobriety and it helps my creativity. And, um, I can't imagine not doing it. You know, some, some seasons are busier than others, but I have to do it. Like, I just love it so much because I always try a different medium. Uh, I try to stretch myself to learn something new because with art, I feel like I'm still finding like what it is that I love to do and mm -hmm. so it's a way to experiment but then also I get to meet an amazing woman in recovery and get to know that person and you know my first partner was uh Jen James which mm. was yeah. so perfect for me because I just was new to sobriety and you know I know you know Jen well and she's a she recovers coach now and she was we would just chat and um it was just so helpful to me to, to meet her and to uh, create art uh, for her and receive art. It's just such a gift to give and then receive it. Well, you are so um, careful. First of all, I love the fact that you try something new. Almost every time it seems like you try something new. And I just love that. I love that you, mm -hmm. um, you let your curiosity sort of take the lead and, um, and you often make several things like you, do, <laughs> sometimes you just stick to the one thing, but you often make several things and you're always so careful to, um, to be, to, to write about your process. You're always so thoughtful behind that. You take lots of photos. I mean, it's so, you really really engage in the this so thoroughly and it's just I love witnessing it oh thank you I thank you and Tammy for thinking of this because it's just it's it's such a joy to be a part of it I love it so much <sighs> I love that well that's exactly why we why we made it and and why we started doing it I mean it was you know it was to help the woman who says I'm not creative and as you know, first and foremost. And after that, you know, if you are creative, I love how you then, you know, take it to another level and say, okay, I'm going to like expand my creativity. Um, and, and then it's also about the connection part, you know, mm -hmm. that's the other half of it. And, um, yeah, you just really, uh, you just really are the, the star participant at the, the Recovery Gals Art Exchange, Gabby. Seriously. Um, what I also love about, I know you've, you mentioned um, your mom and how creative she was, but you often reference her too in your process. And that's just so um, sweet how you bring her back into your art making all of the time well she would have loved the exchange she mm. she um she was just um she loved artwork and she loved mixed media arts and um she had a pen pal that they corresponded for uh, many many years and they would write each other and then 
they would send each other back the letters so that they would each have a, a record of their history. And so I have a, like two huge binders of my mom's letters to her pen pal. And it's just really cool to, to read through those. And, and so that's part of why I document my process too, is um, I know that my mom would have loved that and she would have loved reading it. Oh, that's so, well, and you know, I mean, I know you said that you, and we've talked about this personally because we've worked together. You mentioned that through Change Your Story, but I know that you've struggled to, you know, reconcile um, specifically writing Mm -hmm. with sobriety. I know that you've, that you've struggled, like kind of, it was like you had to relearn how to do it, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, um, I'm just telling, I was, I was telling myself a story that was not true. And that story is that I needed alcohol to loosen up and to write. And, you know, that's not true. It's, it's a lie, but I'm still trying to work um, myself out of that lie. It's just, you know, it's just something that was like, you know, for me, for me, it was wine. That was my main thing, but I would, you know, I would go away sometimes just to write. Um, This is before kids, but I would have to have my, that wine, you know, and it was something that was in my toolbox for writing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just, just something that I need to break out of. And I'm a very, I'm, I'm a very, um, I don't know what the word would be, but I'm not a free spirit. <laughs> I am a very, you know, kind of rigid, you know, it's hard for me to break out of my shell. It's, you know, and sometimes I know that uh, I would just need to do some writing exercises or loosen up or, you know, I've been doing morning pages, which ha- has been really helping um, uh, with my process, but it is something I'm kind of struggling with. And I really get... When I hear people say, you know, once I got sober, you know, my writing opened up and it made me like, like, I can't stop writing. Like, I really envy those people. Right. (laughs) So, so right. So what you're saying is that you felt like, like, did it, uh, did it quiet the inner critic or self-doubt or just make you less inhibited? Yeah, it did all of those things. Yeah. Um, So it's just. something it's just you know it's maybe it's like an excuse because I'm I know that I have a lot of fear also around um wanting to be perfect and uh then I have fear around well what if it's great you know it's like right the other the other ceiling yeah Yeah. Yeah. so I have I have some things I have to work through and it's it's not all about just you know writing sober but but um you know I, I do think sobriety is a a badass decision to make. And I think it is awesome. You know, I think, you know, um, I was writing in my journal and uh, I wrote something like, you know, sobriety is like riding a roller coaster, but with your arms up and really high up in the air, you know, and it is amazing, but it's scary too. Right. Right. Because then you, because with alcohol, you could just soften that voice or quiet it 
in sobriety, you actually have to face it and right. find solutions or, or, you know, dig underneath it and see, see the, you know, the causes you have to go to the source of mm -hmm. these things. And that's, it's painful and it takes work and it's, um, you know, it uncovers things sometimes we don't want to look at. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm starting to, to, um, kind of work on, you know, pairing writing with art, because for me, art is kind of like the key. And it's something I didn't ever do when I was drinking. So, um, you know, I've been doing when I did my 100 day project, it was uh, affirmation cards, and I would write different affirmations that would come to me and I would create art to go with it. Um, I'm thinking about creating a little comic and you know, writing and then having the art go with it. I think that might be part of the key to, to um, get myself back into writing. And, you know, I think I'm a very visual person. I think that might unlock something. Right. Cause it's almost like the, it almost gives you a, a kind of like a way in. Yeah. A jumping off point. Yeah. Well, and, you know, you mentioned morning pages and, um, you know, I've read the, I've, you know, I have the artist way, of course. Um, I don't know many creative people now that, that don't own that book, but, um, <laughs> I don't think I realized until I heard Julia Cameron recently speak on a podcast that she started doing morning pages as a self-assigned task for herself after she got sober and she was having, experiencing her own writing blocks and because she, she was a journalist and a playwright, or she was a journalist, I guess, before first, and then a playwright, but she um, couldn't write either after she got sober. And you look at her and think, how could that be? But, you know, mm -hmm. but then she came up with one of the tools, I, you know, that, I mean, morning pages are referenced by more people, I think, than anything I've, you know, more creative people than any, any other tool. Yeah, and I didn't know that, actually, that that's why she created it as a tool for herself. So that's really interesting. Right, I, right. I, um, I have the book, I have The Artist's Way, but I haven't read through the whole thing. So that's really interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I just, I, I yeah, same. Like I had just used the tool sort of out of context without realizing, no, she made this for herself. And then she you know, it works so well. Then she started sharing it with other writer friends that were having writer's blocks for whatever, you know, various reasons. It wasn't necessarily mm -hmm. because, you know, of, you know, they were trying to write sober, but anyway, um, it, it is, you know, I don't, I don't have to sell it to anyone. I don't think it is a good tool. Um, mm -hmm. just to, it's like a, you know, it's a place just a it's a invitation to drop in and it sort of takes the pressure off. It makes it's, it's like writing that's less precious. We tend to, um, especially if you were a writer, if you've been a writer for a long time, we tend to, um, make our writing very precious mm -hmm. and, um, we don't, we almost don't want to let it down. <laughs> if right. that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that absolutely makes sense. It's a really good way to put it. Yeah. Well, um, 
I, so you, um, you've actually are, you've written quite, you've written quite a bit. You've published your own poetry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've worked with you on a short story that you're working on. Um, that's so good. And I know you've been working on it for a very long time. I know that, mm-hmm. um, someday, someday the public, I bet will be able to read it. Um, it's a, it's a beautiful story. Thank you. Yes, I, I am going to finish it. I want to finish it so it will get finished. Yeah, I know it's important to you and I know you will, I know you will finish it, but, um, but yeah, I love how you are of, I, I am a person also that likes to see how I can connect my creative pursuits or passions. Um, so I love that you are making those connections between art and words, however that's going to show up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what <laughs> <laughs> but it's fun. It's fun to think about. And it's something I would have never thought about doing, um, you know, if I was still drinking, I don't, I don't think. Um, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's an, that's another, that's a, I will highlight that. I mean, that's a good point. It's, it was very hard for me. Like I could go from task to task, uh, while I was drinking, but it was very hard for me to like zoom out and kind of see, uh, you know, take a wider view of, of my work or of my, you know, a wider view of my creativity and kind of see that, that thread or those through lines that connected them all. Mm -hmm. I can only do that since I've been sober. I I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe other, I don't, I I don't know. Maybe other people have not experienced that, but that was, I was so, um, my life was just so fragmented that it was hard to see how it could integrate, how I could integrate those fragments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Well, um, okay. So I have to, we have to talk about the Hamilton lottery. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> what on earth? Okay. So a little backstory. So you, when so okay so you're in chicago you're near chicago mm-hmm. and so hamilton has been playing in chicago for how long now it's been a couple of years it's right a little over three years okay because i saw it two wait two and a half some like two summers ago no three okay. summers ago i can't remember okay. now but anyway i in chicago and yeah. um so a little over three years and if you don't know in what this the where Hamilton plays in big cities. Well, actually, even when they're touring, right, they throw mm-hmm. up a lottery and you, I've, I've done the lottery a couple of times. Of course, I've never won. You, you put mm-hmm. your name in, you, you sign up to be in the lottery. And if you win, you get what, like a severely discounted ticket. You can buy your tickets for $10 each if you win. Right. And that is so that is unheard of. Right. Because the tickets are like, well, I mean, I'll be transparent, whatever. I, we, I paid five, almost $500 a piece for our tickets. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, they can they can be they can get really high, but even even the upper balcony seats are like $120 to $150 each. Right. Now see again, I saw it a couple of years ago, so th- yeah, so A and then B, it was that was what probably what it was with like tax and all of that stuff, mm-hmm. you know, all the fees and everything that was that was tacked on to that. Um yeah, they were not they were not cheap. Um, no. so and especially if you're taking your family, right? Right. I took, yeah, I, was, I myself and, and my kids, I mean, yeah, you know, they, it's- my son was actually the Hamilton super fan at the time. So it would have been a really asshole move of me not to right. <laughs> take him. He was yeah. the impetus for the whole thing. But, um, so, so you won your first lottery, right? Of a few months ago. So I had been playing the lottery for two and a half years and my, both of my daughters are huge Hamilton fans. So, um, I actually bought tickets for the family, um, about last summer, I think, because I wasn't winning the lottery. So I was, I was like, I'm going to have to just pay this money and we have to go see this. I can't let them miss this. We are, um, you know, my youngest daughter's into acting and we are, um, we like musicals. That's what the kids are listening to. So it's something, so I had to buy the tickets. So we all went as a family. Uh, We didn't have the best seats because I couldn't really afford, you know, the super great seats, but we were, you know, in the middle and then we, we saw it, but I continued to play the lottery because I, I was like determined to win it. And I thought, (laughs) surely after two and a half years, something's got to happen. Right. (laughs) So this past June, I was, uh, we were actually in Michigan and the lottery, they have an app and I shouldn't tell the listeners this because then it's going might ruin my chances. But anyway, <laughs> so here's the secret. There's an app and you can either enter like online and, you know, but if you use the app, it remembers your information and you literally just have to click a button saying enter and it's all the cities. So London's on there. Um, you know, it just opened, I think, in St. Louis, like all of the cities are on the app. So um, it's super easy to enter. And I was in Michigan. And you have to enter by a certain time, though. And I noticed it was coming time to enter. And I was like, I was like, Oh, what's the use? I'm not going to win this. But I clicked enter anyway. Well, then I won. That was the first time. And that was in June. And it was amazing. I took my youngest daughter. Um, both of them love Hamilton and the oldest said, you know, she can go. And we had front row, which was so great to see it from that point of view. Although it is kind of, um, for, she had to sit on a booster because you can't see the whole stage, but anyway, it was amazing. Mm. And, um, it was just so cool to, to win something and then to see Hamilton front row and that close. Um, yeah. That would be yeah. so amazing. Yeah. And, we, uh, Miguel was playing Hamilton and he's the best Hamilton, uh, in my opinion. And it was amazing, but I kept playing after that because, um, cause you I have another daughter. My, yeah. I wanted to take my other daughter and, you know, I thought, well, what are the odds I would win again? But I kept playing and then I won like, uh, end of July and I got to take my other daughter. So it was kind of all came for full circle. Um, but I kept playing just because now I was a Hamilton fan. Like now it, you know, I used to like it, but now I was invested in it. And I I just love it so much. Like I will listen to the Hamilton soundtrack on the commute nonstop. 
um, pardon the pun, but I will just listen to it. Um, there's a song called nonstop. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, I will just, I love it so much. So then I won a third time and took my husband. So now I've taken <laughs> every single one of my family members and um, it's been great. And um, my cousin actually won after playing a week because I told her, you have to play this. And she won it and she couldn't go. And so she let me buy the tickets. So I've seen it five <laughs> times now. <laughs> Didn't you say something about you needed to stop talking about winning the Hamilton lottery? Because oh, yeah. Because we're starting to get suspicious. Yes. And well, I have people that are, that kind of, I, I know I have people in my life that feel like I should stop playing. <laughs> Don't hate on the good luck, the good Hamilton luck. Well, and you know, it's, it's about to end, right? Chicago. Yeah. January 5th, it's going to end. Um, so it's leaving in less than three months. Um, so yeah. Well, you had a good run then with Hamilton. I did. I love it. And I mean, how, I I don't, I mean, we could say so much about motherhood and, and how you show up so differently when you're Mm -hmm. sober. I mean, even if you take out the piece about, you know, having the alcoholic, you know, rage instances, Mm -hmm. but just being, just being just showing up a hundred percent for your kids. And it doesn't mean that you're, um, you know, completely selfless and you have no, you know, interests that you nurture of your own, but just being available for your children. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's such a, it's so different, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. I used to, you know, um, motherhood is hard. First of all, I just have to say, and that's really, um, for me when drinking amped up, um, more than it was, but it is hard and it is, um, demanding and, you know, um, I used to zone out a lot and, you know, think I was being a a good mom because I was letting my kids do fun things while I was, you know, drinking and doing my own thing, but I wasn't really fully there and I don't think that was really fair to them. And, um, or to me, you know, I missed out on some things and um, just because my mind wasn't where it should be. And I think it's a gift to fully be there for somebody. And, you know, they notice that they, you think they don't, but they do. They sure do. Yeah. They sure do. Even if they can't articulate it, they know something's missing or they feel uh, a little unsafe, you know, like there's just something something that they're aware of that, you know, when they're young, they can't quite articulate. I mean, some of them do. I mean, my son, my son could towards the end articulate very well, Mm -hmm. you know, what he saw and, and, um, you know, and of course I just dismissed it, but, uh, cause I wasn't willing to hear him, but, um, but yeah, they, they definitely know, they definitely know. And, you know, we, you know, we want, I, I mean, we, we want, um, 
our children to avoid, you know, reaching for the same coping mechanisms that we used. Um, But they do what we do, not what they, not what we tell them to do. Right. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I, I would not want them to feel like they needed any kind of substance to feel, um, to feel like they were, you know, the person they, they want to be. I, 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 so yeah, I hope that, you know, they say this when you stop, um, drinking or stop using something that it helps to stop the cycle in your family. And I, I would hope that for, for both of my kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same, same. And, you know, and now that you use art as a coping, mm-hmm. you know, as a way to, you know, maybe deal with your emotions or to express sadness or joy or anything in between is, um, is just a way to model that is a way to model that solution Mm -hmm. for your kids. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big deal. Um, well, I, I, you're, you seem like such a good mom. I will say that. Oh, thank you. Mm -hmm. And you, you have so, you, you have so much fun with like, I don't know, horror movies and dressing (laughs) up and cosplay. And (laughs) I, I just, I can, your joy expressed in all of that, all of those things that you love is just like so apparent. Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah, we just had our third, our, our third, um, we had our 11th annual horror fest where we screen movies for 12 hours, scary movies. And it was my third one um, sober. So, um, which is a big deal because I used to, like one year I passed out and I'm the host or hostess. I passed out at like eight o'clock at night one year. Yeah. <laughs> like people were looking for me. Where's, where is she at? And I was, I was gone. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's for me, that's, that's one of my milestones. It's a big deal that, um, you know, I'm still able to have fun and, you know, I'm the only sober one there, which is fine, but you know, um, yeah, I'm proud of that. So. Oh, I love it. I love it, Kathy. Well, um, before we before you share with our listeners what is what is in your unruffled toolbox, why don't you tell our listeners like where they can maybe see some of your work or how they can find you on Instagram? Sure. Um, so uh, my Instagram name is um, One Heart Fitness. It's one is spelled out O N E. Um, heart is spelled out fitness. Um, that was a name I created when I was doing like. Um, health coaching, and I just haven't changed it. So uh, that's on Instagram, and um, I am set to private, but if you send me a friend request, I will um, accept it. Um, And that's where I post my art, and I try to add them into my highlights section, like the Recovery Gals Art Exchange has its own highlights. So then if you just want to see that, you can can look that way. Um, And then I have a website, um, kathycubic.com. It's 
K-A-T-H-Y-K-U-B-I-K.com. And that's where I have a link to my blog where I will write about my um, Recovery Gals Art Exchange process. And I do have um, a post or two about sobriety and I'm gonna be writing more about that. Um, so that's that. And I have you know links to my books and um, you know different stories and writings are also on there. I love that. You're you're a great writer. I can't wait to read some more. Oh, no, thank you. Of your post about sobriety. Um, I love it. Well, this is the part of the show, Kathy, that um, we ask you to name three tools from your Unruffled Toolbox. So these are things that you use. Uh, they can be tangible or not practices um, that you use to keep yourself calm and not agitated and unruffled. What have you got? Okay. All right. Well, um, my first one is um, comes from Tammy's Proof of Life course, where she taught us about having a morning ritual. Mm -hmm. um, and I have, I love having a ritual in the morning. And I will say, I don't do this every morning, but I'm trying to make it there because when I do have this morning ritual, I notice it throughout my day. And I really can feel the difference uh, when I don't do it. And so I really feel like doing this is a way of like listening to myself and, mm -hmm. you know, like um, part of it is prayer and then part of it's morning pages and gratitudes and, you know, reading my Bible. Um, I usually try to do yoga in the, the morning routine and have some tea, you know, it's just sometimes I'm, you know, we're all really busy. Um, sometimes I might only have like 10 or 15 minutes, but to take that 10 or 15 minutes, it's better than not taking it. And just starting my day that way, it's, a, it's for me and no one else. And it's, it's time for me. And, you know, um, when I do it, I notice throughout the day, I hear myself more. Like I, um, I listen to myself and I, I, it's a way to connect with myself. And I, I don't know if that makes sense, but, um, it, it's just this great tool and I'm so happy I, I learned it. Mm -hmm. No, it does make sense. And I love, I want to highlight how you said, even if you can't do the whole thing, or if you woke up late and you only have 10 minutes, you know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you said at the top of the show that you were a really black and white thinker. And that's how a lot of us can be. It's like, no, if I can't do the full 45 minute thing from front to back, then I'm just going to not do it. And that's actually, um, you know, don't do that. Take, take right. the 10 minutes, do part of it, do something. Um, but I think, yeah, you're right. It's just kind of, it's just a time where you honor yourself and your, um, your day. It's just, uh, it's just an act of, it's a little bit of act of self-love and it can set you up for your whole day. Yeah. And I wanted to mention, um, for the yoga part of it, I do a lot of different um, online yoga. Um, you know, I really like Taryn Strong has um, online yoga through She Recovers. Mm -hmm. She has like, there's a whole library of um, things that have to do not only with recovery, but with healing and, um, you know, and grief. And um, it's just amazing. And I love being able to pick what I want to focus on and what my intention is. And 
I love that it's something I can put on my phone and, you know, but I feel like I'm taking a class. So it's, it's one of my, one of my tools for sure. And I love yoga in general because it gets me back in touch with my body and um, becoming sober. You know, you're kind of out of your body. You've been out of your body for so long. It's kind of brings me back in. I love that. Yeah. Okay. What's your next one? Okay. So, um, books, I'm a big reader and I love the library. I think the library is an amazing place. Um, uh, but books, I've have a couple of books that I really recommend that I love. Um, not, not all of them have to do with sobriety, but, um, this naked mind by Annie Grace is what, uh, really helped me see, um, you know, what drinking is and it kind of threw back the curtain on it for me. And, you know, I just love that book. I know a lot of people reference it on your show, but it's amazing. Um, Sarah Heppola's book, Blackout. Uh, mm-hmm. I really related to her story in there and just loved it. Um, I'm also reading a book about procrastination because I feel like some of my block with writing has to do with procrastinating. And it's a book, it's called The End of Procrastination, How to Stop po- Postponing and Live a Fulfilled Life. And um, it is written, but and I can email this to you, but it's written by Peter Ludwig and Ad, Adela Schicker. And it is this really small uh, book. It has um, stick figure drawings in it uh-huh. that are uh, really cute, but it's like, I'm a visual person, so it kind of brings the point home. But um, it goes into the brain and the reasons why we, we procrastinate. So it's really, it's almost... Um, I almost kind of like this naked mind about the brain and drinking, but it goes into procrastination. Interesting. Um, I need this it's, book. It's really good. I, I have discovered different things like every day. I'm, I'm not done with it yet, but I almost am. But it talks about um, how, you know, there's different tools to use, but it talks about how each of us have two creatures inside of us, a wild elephant and a rider who controls it. And the rider represents rationality and the elephant represents emotions. So it talks about self-regulating. So like the rider's ability to control the elephant. It's, it's really, really interesting. I can't recommend it enough. That is so, you know, I have read, a. there's another book that used the elephant analogy and damn, I've read so many books this year because, you know, I'm, was try, I'm trying to read 52 books. It, it was a goal that I set at the beginning of the year to read 52 yeah. books in 2019. So I can't even tell you which book I read that in that used the, also use the elephant analogy. That must be a common, it's, a common um, analogy. Yeah. It's actually based on an old Buddhist uh, metaphor. So okay. I, I, yeah. So it's, um, it's probably been used elsewhere, but it, I had never heard it before. And I um, hadn't either. Yeah. It really brought it home for me. Same, same. Yeah. That's, Oh, I love that. I'm going to be looking that one up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that book's about like building new patterns and, and um, you know, it's really inspiring to me. So I recommend it. And then um, there's a, a podcast that Jackie Mancy and um, Shelly Mann have that's called the Zero Proof Book Club. Ooh, and yeah. They read different books about sobriety and then they talk about it on their podcast. And so it's a way to kind of be a part of a book club and, you know, check out different books you might not have checked out before. Um, So I I like that too. Oh, I love it. Well, and Jackie Manti, 
um, has also been on our podcast. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, Tammy's not here and she's the one that always has the, the episode number, but um, just know that she's been on here before. <laughs> you yeah. have to do the legwork to figure out which episode she was on. Yeah, and she's she's based in Chicago, so we've actually met up, and we are um, we're accountability partners now. So we write each other weekly with an email, and um, well, this goes into my third um, my third tool. Okay, which is community. Um, you know, um, first of all, this show like has been. I went to podcasts first when I got curious um, about becoming sober. Um, and I would listen to Unruffled and when I was still drinking um, and it was kind of like this step in the door and I would hear other people's stories and I would relate to them and I would feel like, you know, that sounds like me or, you know, this, this sobriety thing might be something I could do, you know, so, and it was something when I started drinking again, when I had my relapse or whatever you call it, um, that I would keep listening to your podcast and it brought me back into the world of sobriety and you know I don't have a lot of um, people in real life that you know are sober so it's just a way to kind of keep in community but virtually so right podcasts are a big thing Um, you know the she recovers just started a podcast also and um, and I did listen to home as well when that was going on so Mm -hmm. um and then when Hip Sobriety had that mantra project, that's when I first discovered Tammy. And that's how right. I discovered the Unruffled. So, but, um, but yeah, Jackie and I, the accountability. That's, that's so cool. Oh, yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So she, it was her idea to talk about what are your goals for the week? Uh, what's inspiring you? What's holding you back? And, you know, she's a writer too. So we talk about, um, you know, our projects and what's, you know, is holding us back and all that kind of stuff. Oh, that's so fun. There is nothing like having an accountability partner, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. Cause you can cheer each other on and support each other. And it's somebody that you can share your work with. If you feel like you're creating an, ev- you know, cause sometimes you feel like you're creating in a vacuum and you don't necessarily, maybe you don't necessarily want to put it on Instagram or whatever, but just to have some- one other person see your work mm-hmm. is so validating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And Jackie's a good one for that. Cause she also, um, makes visual art too. So I'm sure you guys have a lot to lot to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. She's an amazing, I love her, um, artwork and she started an Instagram just for her artwork with, um, the, uh, stitching and the embroidery. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. I love it, Kathy. Well, I'm so, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Um, you are somebody that's very special to me and Tammy and, uh, I know we tell you that a lot, so I hope you know that. And I know that our listeners are going to love hearing your story. If they don't already know you, um, you, you know, definitely participate in our secret Facebook group as well. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, just, just thank you. Thank you so much. And you, uh, you guys mean so much to me also, and uh, being able to be on the podcast um, when, you know, three years ago I was listening to you guys and it's just really, 
an honor. So thank you so much. Okay. Well, talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye. The Unruffled Podcast was created and produced by Sandra Primo and Tammy Salas. Our show is edited and mixed by Steve Hecht. Original music composed and performed by Caitlin Schumacher. Original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designers Chris Aguirre and Amy Lanier. Thanks for listening.